began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamanini and Callum Stewart back for 2024, back to talk about our first league win in four and a half months, what was it, 139 days, the club account said. We finally got a win on Friday night, just there, against Dunfermline at Hampden Park. So we are uh, absolutely buzzing, not just for that as well. More great news in that we now have a manager as well, obviously after Robin Vellman left the club a couple of months ago. It was announced just earlier on today, Callum Davidson, the former St Johnson manager, he is now the Queen's Park manager on a two-and-a-half-year contract. We will, of course, be talking about that. Some great news there. There's talk of potential departures from the club and one actual departure, again, in the uh, the boardroom, I suppose, shall we say, with Leanne Dempster being announced as leaving the club. There's transfer rumours of players going out. Maybe we'll talk about some players that are linked to Queen's Park or who we want to see linked to Queen's Park. Uh, Callum and Ezra, January is a very exciting time, and as I say, it fills us with even more excitement and even more buzz when we have a win to talk about. I know, it's... Uh... It's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know how many weeks we've been coming on here utterly desperate to have something positive and then the old, like, buses scenario and we've suddenly got a whole raft of stuff to to get into that's a wee bit more forward-looking and, I guess, happy to talk about. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like this might be a, a long one, so settle in. I, I don't know about you guys, but I felt at the end of that game on Friday night, it, it was just... Obviously, I was happy that we won, but I felt this real sense of relief because it had just been such a long time coming. And I know that Dunfermline had injuries, and I know that maybe it wasn't the most exciting game for neutral fans to be watching in the telly. I know for a fact it wasn't an exciting game if you're a Dunfermline fan because I thought they looked pretty rubbish. But we just we needed that, didn't we? We were we were getting to the stage where I think we were just utterly desperate for a win under any any circumstances whatsoever. And you could see it the way the that the players themselves were just as relieved as the fans at full time. So. Um, yeah, plenty, plenty to discuss. So much news around the club, and uh, a lot of it is making me feel quite optimistic about how the the rest of this season is going to go and the future in general. So, um, I let, let's get stuck in it. Quite incredible after the, the the four months we've been through that we are using words like optimistic and looking forward to what's coming up. But yeah, we definitely are. Let's let's take a, a brief moment and look back. So, it's not only do we have the win against our family to talk about. We did, of course, have a game just a couple of days before that where we took on Partick Thistle at Fur Hill uh, on the 2nd of January. Uh, that was a 3-2 defeat on the road for Queen's Park. It was a very short road obviously, to the, the west end of Glasgow. Um, a couple of a couple of interesting points to bring up in this game. Uh, I think, obviously, it was the first game of that, that week where we switched to this 3-5-2s, 5-3-2 formation. Uh, Zach Malkin came in for his first start uh, at Fur Hill. Cammy Bruce on the other wing as well. And it was the first time in a long time that's been Dom Thomas kind of playing through the middle. So it's more set up as like a... The, the, of the, which I suppose we'll say 5-3-2, it was like three centre mids and two strikers with Dom Thomas and Rudy Payton in the middle. Um. I know you guys weren't able to make that game. I was giving you some updates from a, a, a pretty chilly fur hill on the day. It was quite a it was quite an interesting game where I really I do actually think now that I look back at it, especially then the positivity and the result after Dunfermline, I now really wonder if we should perhaps have been taking something off of Partick Thistle because certainly in the second half when it was um 
three one and 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 obviously three two right at the very very end. But for large spells of the second half when we were three one down, we 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 came onto our game a bit and we created a number of chances, just couldn't quite take advantage. But as I say as well. When you guys looked at the highlights, you look at the three goals we concede, the exact same goal three times. When Partick Thistle, when we seem to learn and we stop letting the Partick Thistle wingers cut inside and hit crosses and hit shots, they find another way to beat us, and that's to whip in three back post crosses, two of them from corners and one from open play, and they find a guy at the back post either beating his man too easily or pretty much completely unmarked. Um, what... Enzo, come to you first. What do you make of looking back at the Partizans game, the highlights here? What did you make of the the Queen's Park performance from what you've seen? Pretty, I thought it was pretty evident that the the shift in formation probably did benefit us, and 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 again, ultimately, it was what led to us getting that victory against Dunfermline on Friday night, or at least had an impact, and has finally been able to take all three points for a change. But I think Noyton, despite the fact that the results still haven't really been there. I mean, he's, he's only taken, what, four points in how many games has he been in charge for? Five games. At least he tried something different. And that was all I could really ask for, for somebody who'd been put in the position that he was. At the end of the day, nobody expected him before the season kicked off or, or at any point when he came to the club to find himself taking the first team. It just, it just wasn't why he was brought in. Um, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I was quite pleased that, that we managed to score a couple of goals, even though we still looked quite shaky at the back and, and we still struggled, as usual, defending crosses into the box. That's something that we need to get better at under the new manager. And it's something I'm sure we will get better at under the new manager. Um, my perspective as someone who, who wasn't at the game, I actually chose to work that day. And, and I think, to be honest with you, I don't necessarily regret that. Um, my perspective as someone who wasn't at the game and just saw a few clips here and there, thought it was a bit strange that Thistle didn't share highlights anywhere unless you, you, you have to subscribe to a service to, to do that. And and obviously we didn't post highlights anywhere. Um, I thought it was an improvement, but it just felt a bit like more of the same. And, and it didn't fill me with that much confidence, to be completely honest. Yeah, I don't think any of us were going to expect to go into that game and, and win it in the on the run of form that we were on. Also, it's very nice to be discussing a loss in the context of um, us having something different to look forward to. But I was complaining the week before when we were previewing this, these games that I wanted to see some sort of change to the formation. So fair play to Noyton for, for doing that. I also couldn't make the game, but I was surprised at the, some of the lineup choices, perhaps. Um what what did you like, David? I guess you were the one that was there. How did you how did you think some of the guys performed? So I'm mostly thinking of Mocking and and Bruce, who've been sort of Mocking. I think that's is that the second or third time that we've seen him now. But I assume he is the the right back. If you remember when Bucher signed Ben McPherson, and he said the reason that we didn't want to sign a uh, a first team right back was that we had someone coming through in the in the young QP, and I assume that I assume this is him. How did how did you find him in in that game? Because I thought he performed pretty well in the the subsequent game against Dunfermline. And also, I have to say, I was a wee bit like when you see Dom Thomas up front. I love Dom Thomas, and I guess we'll go on to transfer rumors at some point. But I'm always a wee bit concerned when I see him playing up front. I don't. I know that he obviously gets a go against Dunfermline, but I, I do think he's definitely. He's definitely an out-and-out winger for me, and I'd much rather be seeing a, a second-choice striker kicking up there with with Peyton rather than having to use Dom. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your your point on Dom Thomas there. I think that's really a case of he's you know arguably one of the best players in the team, and 
you can kind of put him in there and maybe he's lining up as a striker, but maybe he's given us kind of slightly different roles, so he kind of wanders. He was definitely out busy on the, the wing for the, the game at Furhill, but yeah, you, you do think his best place is out on the wing permanently and yeah, you want to see another striker in, I think we all do. Uh, maybe that'll happen in the next few weeks, but going back to how, for example, Mocking and Bruce, I mean, I've got to give a, a, a good bit of credit to, to Cammy Bruce. I think we all know that the, the first game of the season at Furhill, he had a, a bit of a shocker, unfortunately, but in the game most recently, I thought he, he was a, a lot better. I think it took, you know, it took a long time for um, Fitzpatrick to, to get the better of him at one, and for a lot of the, the first half, both Lawless and Fitzpatrick came over onto our left-hand side and were both attacking down that wing when you expect to see one, you know, one on either side. It seemed like they clearly decided that they were going to pick on Cammy Bruce at that point, but he stood up to the challenge pretty well, and he was helped out with, I thought Alex Bannon had an excellent game. Jack Thompson also at centre-half was, was you know, as, as good as he always is in that position, but Alex Bannon really stood out for me in that game, despite the fact we still conceded three goals. Um, it wasn't his fault necessarily for any of them, and he made a number of sort of crucial interceptions and, and crucial tackles that you might not have necessarily seen on any highlights package, so I thought he had a, a great game. It really helped out his even younger defensive partners there on, on either side of him because it was a very, very young back line there. Uh, you also had Lewis Reed in there as well. Mocking had a relatively quiet first half, uh, as I say, with Bissell clearly choosing for the most part to attack down our left-hand side. And we didn't really use Mocking much going forward uh, on the right-hand side in the first half, but in the second half, when he was attacking down towards the, the corner of that, that main stand where the main stand of fans, obviously, for Hill, where, where we were situated. They got a couple of really good runs in. He was whipping a few good crosses in that we just weren't taking advantage of. Peyton was definitely at fault for one of them, where he just completely misjudged the flight of the ball. Um, and there was, again, a couple of others. I thought Mocking had a, a really good second half. Maybe not too involved, or maybe not doing as much as he perhaps could have done in the first half, but second half, I thought he played really well, and as we all seen, he, he took that into the Dunfermline game, and and, and carried on that good form. Maybe this is the start of him perhaps getting a run in the team. Who knows? But um, yeah, in the, in the last week, he's played pretty well. No, it's good. It's good because these are the guys that we do kind of need to to step up a wee bit, isn't it? I know that hopefully we're going to make a couple of signings in January, but we're still going to have a reliance on a lot of these young players. And these are the sort of things that are going to make it um, possible for us to have a good second half of the season. Because I thought he did... Referring to Mocking specifically, I thought he played really well against Dunfermline, and I was quite impressed with him, to be honest. As with Bruce, I feel like he fits into that um, that sort of back five a lot better because he's got the cover of someone inside instead of it just leading to a one v one with the one of the remaining centre backs. So I think he looks. Uh, I just think he looks a lot more comfortable there. It's like he's got a bit more freedom because he doesn't have to rely so much on the defensive side of his game, which I think it's fair to say needs a wee bit of work because he is very, very good going forward. Well, I was going to say, I was, I was just about to ask that very question. Do we then, do we agree that Cammy Bruce is probably more suited to that slightly more attacking role on the wing, kind of wing back where where he's not solely reliable for defending the, the, the opposition's wingers running at him? I, I, I would say so. I, like, I think from what we've seen, it's, it's where he's played best and 
I think it allows these young guys who, let's face it, a lot of the guys that are coming through now at this age are all going to be really, really technical footballers, good on the ball. Um, and that's probably where they're going to shine the most. And I think you can see that with Mocking and Bruce. So it makes sense that if they've got more cover behind them, then it gives them a wee bit more freedom. I guess the the cost of that is that you, you lose a wee bit in terms of some of your more traditional wingers. I mean, obviously we've not seen... Barry Hepburn listed in any squad lists over the last period, the last few weeks, whether he's injured or if he's away back, I'm I'm not too sure. But it forces you to play someone like Dom Thomas up front, um, which is well, it's, it's obviously it's, it's not his natural position. But even if we're, I'm jumping forward a couple of steps here. But even if we look at the lineup on the on the Dunfermline game, I mean, fair play to Norton again because he then proceeded. He obviously played that formation for the Thistle game. But he then proceeded to make quite a few sort of, I don't know if it's bold changes, but he introduced Alex Fairley into the game, who, is that his first start? I'm not too sure if he's had yeah. a, a cameo appearance. Um, they introduced him. I thought he he done all right. They had him sitting in behind Peyton and Thomas, who I thought done pretty well. And he brought Robson back into the squad. So he was certainly open to still trying to tweak it and certainly paid off in that game. And that's something that, Looking back at the, the, the previous two managers that we've had, um, and, I, and I'm going to go back to, to Coyle here as well, um, they've both been somewhat reluctant to, to make changes like that when, when things aren't necessarily going right. So I, I do, I fully agree, even though he hasn't picked up as many points as what I'm sure we'd all have liked him to, and, and, and there's been a few dodgy performances in there, I think he does deserve a lot of credit stepping up and, and taking over the team when he did. Not quite enough for him to have been justified in, in, in getting the job full time, but um, no, I'm 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 thankful for for him coming in and, and trying something different anyway. And it will be interesting to see whether that formation sticks because, and I know we're going to talk about him in, in quite a bit of detail shortly. But Davison is famous for kind of preferring that sort of five at the back with, with two up front. So we'll we'll see we'll see how that looks going forward. It might also depend on whether he's able to sign a couple of guys that he's hoping to bring into the team. I'm sure he's got ideas of who that might look like uh, already. But um, yeah, I, I could see us moving forward, sticking with a similar sort of shape, maybe with a bit of evolution here and there. But um, I'm, I'm keen to keen to see if that does develop at all. Yeah, I'll, I actually wonder, obviously, with the, the rumours that were going with Callum Davidson, it kind of lasted about the last sort of week or so where his name was first floated and then it seemed to gather a lot of steam rather quickly. I almost wonder, I don't know if it's been too cynical, but the sort of perhaps the, the maybe unexpected change to a, a back five or the back three, however you want to call it, may have been in part as some kind of test to see, well, do we actually have the squad to fit that kind of formation and that kind of system? Um, you know, you've seen with the, the Dunfermline game uh, where, you know, Tommy Robson sort of filled in at, at the left centre half. And it allowed Cammy Bruce to play the the left wing back. I think if we have got the back five, yeah, I think um, just going back to that point that you've made, uh, I think yeah, we probably will see a bit more of of Mocking and Bruce in those wing back roles and other players maybe filling in elsewhere. Uh, we'll round off just on the Thistle game. Just obviously got to talk Rudy Payton scoring two goals, two very different goals. The first one was uh, another howler, uh, the long long sort series of howlers from Snedden and the Partick Thistle goal, where it was a really nice through ball played by, by Dom Thomas for Payton, and Snedden comes rushing out, slides on the ground, and I, I don't know how he doesn't collect the ball, drops to Payton's feet, and he's not going to miss an empty net from about 12 yards. Uh, it, it took a minute to double-check, because we weren't quite sure if the ref was actually given a foul or anything. Payton himself had to stop, but thankfully it was given. 
and then he did score with uh, one of one of the last kicks of the game uh, and a free kick in the, the 90th minute, which is a, a great strike. But again, I think when you look at the, the way the keeper's set up, I wonder if he's given the goal uh, a little bit too much of the goal to Peyton as well. But uh, I said that I thought Alex Bannon had a great game. It seems harsh to not give it uh, like my man of the match vote to Rudy Peyton, given he scored two goals. But I do think on the day, he left a couple more out there. There was one particular chance where he was played through on goal in the second half when we were 3-1. Uh, I think it was still 2-1 maybe at that point, actually. And he just seemed to think that he had, like, 30 seconds to control the ball and get right into the box, get right up to the keeper. He waited so long, so long, and the defender came back and tackled him inside the box. Um, I thought that was a really poor um, missed chance from him there. So I've got to give it to Alex Bannon, my man of the match. Well, I don't know how how are we doing it. Are you guys want to vote off the highlights? I can't even call how we've done this before. Nah, you can you can have the authority on this one, David. Okay, fair enough. In that case, we'll do that. Yeah, based on the highlights, I was the person who said Peyton. So I, I trust your judgment, given that you were actually there and watched the full ninety. Fair enough. I, not often people trust my judgment, but there we go. I mean, I don't I'll trust your judgment in general, <laughs> but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here. Don't get ahead of yourself. Do not trust my judgment going into thoughts on the Dunfermline game and the win there because I uh, chose to watch that because, of course, it was on BBC Scotland. I chose to watch that in the pub down in Ayrshire with uh, a mate of mine that's local. Uh, he's not necessarily that into football, but he just thought he'd come out for a few drinks. Of course, we all know the result. It was a 2-1 win for Queen's Park and I decided to take it a little bit too far, shall we say. So my memory of the game is a little bit hazy. Um, so I hope Callum and Enzo, with you guys being there, you can help guide me through. Of course, we know the two goals and we have that rather, rather ridiculous offside call where it should have been 3-1 for Queen's Park, obviously, at full time. Um, Callum, take it away. What did you think? You've also already kind of touched on Alex Fairley. You thought he'd actually played pretty well in the Dunfermline game. I suppose that was perhaps the biggest lineup change there. So, yeah, give us a little bit more. What did you think of Fairley and then, of course, the lineup in general? So, I mean, I was, I, I'm not going to lie, I was worried when I seen the lineup a wee bit. Um, it's, I find it confusing that we've not brought McKinstry into the fold more than we have. I thought if we were going to make changes in that area of the pitch, bringing McKinstry in would be sort of option number one um he's becoming a wee bit of an anomaly for me and whether we see that change over the next few weeks with davidson coming in i'm I'm not so sure i'm not sure um but i mean that was again you heard all the chat before the game on the the dunfermline lineup they had x amount of injuries but they had a lot of senior players still kicking about that squad i know that some guys particularly on their defense were playing a bit out of position but you had guys like jakubiak obviously we've seen um ben summers who recently just joined them playing in the squad. They had plenty of players there that were pretty senior. Our squad is incredibly young again. We mock in fairly. Bruce Turner Sprong as your midfield. All very young guys. We've got Thompson. Is, is he out of position at this stage at centre-back? Probably not. He seemed pretty competent there. Bannon. So you've really only got sort of Robson, Thomas and, and Ferry as your senior players. So it's still a still a very young side. Um, and I, I thought they did really well the first half. I mean, it's not going to win any awards for for pretty football but we looked infinitely more competent than Dunfermline and I, I, I did go into half time and I was mildly slash very concerned that this was going to be like the Airdrie performance where we did alright in the first half and then just like totally capitulated in the second half but thankfully that that wasn't the case I mean Peyton obviously gets gets his goal after 
a lot of good work in that game, actually. I thought Peyton did a wee bit more. He was a wee bit more effective off the ball than he can be sometimes. I feel like occasionally with Peyton, you do get a lot of running, but um, it can it can lead to, to not too much off the back of it. But I thought he did a lot better in this half. And then Thomas, obviously, gets his deflected goal as well. I was very concerned when Summer scored in the 85th minute. I mean, how many... How many Royal Cock-Ups have we had this season from that sort of position, whether we're a goal up or two goals up and teams coming back? But the team did well, to be fair. They, they, they seen out the rest of the game. And what I quite liked in the last few minutes is that we did all the horrible gamesmanship nonsense that gets so annoying from other teams like Peyton in the corner flag, etc., etc. Like I want to see my <laughs> to see our team do that. I have no interest in us playing nice football at that point in the game. There, there has to be an element of learning how to see the game out, which is what we done. Um, which was which was good. I was thoroughly unimpressed by Dunfermline, though. I mean, and if I'm honest, right, we, we we've lost a lot of games over the last few months, four and a half months of it, right. But I still think that just we're like, we're, obviously we've got Davidson in now. There isn't that many teams in this league that I'm massively impressed by. Like you take Airdrie, for example, we lost that game. Are you impressed by them? No, definitely not. We've obviously done well against our growth this season. Ayr, Inverness, Morton, are any of these teams ones that you think we can't beat? I, I don't. So I'm hopeful that we that we kick on a wee bit in the second half of the season. But I think my overall feeling towards that game is exactly what Enzo said right at the start when we were doing a re-intro bit. It, it was just sheer relief. I kind of thought after all this time it would be proper jubilation, jumping up and down, but it was just almost exasperated. It was like, I can't believe, or I'm just so happy that that sort of monkey's off our back now. And I'm just hoping that all the guys have got a proper spring in their step now because you could see that it meant a lot to them as well. I mean, they're, they're professional footballers are putting their whole day-to-day in this and for it to produce essentially nothing for for four months is a is a very very long time. So hopefully we get that off the back. Have a good win. New bat new manager bounce. Maybe we'll be lucky enough to get a signing or two before the weekend. Who knows? But hopefully it's the start of a wee upturn. I think um, pretty sure Callum Wind and Fernand did get that goal back. You and I both looked at each other with sheer terror on our faces 100%. because we both knew what could have happened based on certain previous games, you look at both Wraith Rovers games and, and there's other examples in there where we've taken a lead only to decide that we actually didn't fancy winning the game and, and obviously I'm, I'm joking when I say that but even the, the players when they scored that goal, I'd be surprised if they weren't also panicking a wee bit um, and that's partly, like, that, that's partly why we have struggled, that's partly why we've chucked away so many points you could see that the, the, the mentality was a wee bit it was a wee bit fragile that the guys knew that they were capable of chucking things away and, and, and they were they were slightly scarred by by earlier results and earlier performances where that's happened. So um it's it's a big one for us to see something out because it'll give them the belief going forward that they, they are capable of picking up three points, even when there is a wee bit of a stumbling block like a like a late goal from the opposition. Um, and I, I totally agree with you when you're regarding the sort of gamesmanship side of things, because you look back at, at certain games the Thistle game at Hamden, for example, where we went 2-1 up and then immediately with guys out of position, a bit too over-eager to get forward again, just, you know, that's an example where we should have just sat back and, and let them come at us for a wee while. We looked at both Wraith Rovers game. The first game in particular, um, 
there was a real sort of naivety about how we behaved and how we played when we took the advantage. And obviously things like mental substitutions didn't help in those situations. Fortunately, that's something that Neuton's cut out as well, and that's something that I do not expect whatsoever from Davison. In fact, I would imagine that's an element of the game that he will bring in a bit more and, and, and improve upon. Um, but yeah, overall, just so important to finally, as you say, get that monkey off our back and, and, and give the guys that belief that they can go out there and, and, and win games of football because that's ultimately all it comes down to. Uh, I, I totally agree with you in terms of the other teams. Dunfermline looked particularly poor. They didn't look anything like the, the team that we played earlier on at Hamden because I thought that team was quite direct and, and they looked decent and, and obviously they were in the top four for a decent chunk of the season. They've, they've fallen out of the playoff places slightly and, and to be honest with you if I'm a Dunfermline fan I'm probably slightly nervous about how the rest of the season is going to go because they are certainly still capable of being dragged right down to the bottom of the table Airdrie they're doing well are they going to keep it up I'm not sure I think a big factor will be whether they manage to keep that fullback they've got on loan from Hibs Megwa I don't know whether they're likely to recall him or not I have absolutely no idea but he's it's been a solid solid player for them Morton or Morton I'd rather not think about them if I'm honest with you but you know Thistle we should have probably beat them at Hamden. Wraith Rovers, you could, you could argue we should have at least taken four points against them, maybe even six, if we did a wee bit more about us. Um, and the, the guys will know this. The guys will know this. And if we can now reinforce the squad slightly with, I don't know, we'll maybe talk about this later on too, uh, with maybe a centre-half, another forward, who knows, we'll, we'll see what Davidson has in mind. There's absolutely no reason why this team can't kick off and, and, and find itself in a relatively safe position soon because that's the mental thing. We're not bottom of the league anymore. And I know that we, we could have gone into Saturday not being bottom of the league, but this ended up doing us a, a favour on Saturday afternoon by pumping uh, our growth. And, and now they've slid down below us. And it's just we just need to look forward because that was it was an absolutely fine performance. It needs to get better than that again. I, I'm, I'm sure they know that it needs to get better than that again. But we finally picked up that win and... Just, just focus on what's coming next. We've got a big game this weekend against a team that we should have taken points for, but we haven't. And uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling, as I said earlier on, I'm feeling somewhat optimistic about things now. Let's talk a little bit about how we got the three points against Dunfermline before we go on and talk about the, the rest of the league, because it is a very interesting league, despite our run of uh, results. We are, as you say, unbelievably not bottom of the league, but we're actually still within a, a very close margin of mid-table. But... Say Friday night against Dunfermline, so the three big points, of course, you've got the two goals that were scored by Peyton and Thomas. That offside call, let's just... Oh. I, I said that as a, a link to you guys at half-time, obviously. Um, a little bit more time on my hands in the pub than you guys in the stadium, trying to keep warm. Uh, I think I also reposted it on our, our timeline as well, on, on our Twitter page. Um, it is utterly horrific. I, I Obviously... Willie Collum gets a lot of stick in from the usual suspects, but it's not necessarily it's not the ref's fault. It's, he's relying on his linesman, and his linesman is called Candy Bruce offside when he must be like literally at least three yards onside. Like it's it's so unbelievably bad. Like that is one where I hate VAR, but that is one where the VARs in play that is easily over. That would take VAR five seconds to go. He's onside, by the way. Although they'd probably bring it back for the the foul or something in the middle of the park leading up to the pass, but uh, how we we don't do this often. But how bad a decision is that? That is that is abysmal, abysmal. It was it was genuinely incredible. I don't I can't wrap my head around how he's got that wrong. See when you watch the the replay back from the angle, kind of right behind the linesman, it kind of looked as though instead of actually watching the players that were making the run, it looked as though he was focusing on the ball and he wasn't actually paying attention across the park. And that's that's just really, really poor 
officiating from somebody that should be you know, doing that on a weekly basis. I, I, I just, I have absolutely no idea how he's got that wrong, but it, that's not acceptable. That is the, the standard. If that's the standard of refereeing that, that we need to get used to, then the game is in serious trouble. And I know that it's been a, a hot topic in Scottish football over the past few weeks and, and particularly because there was a big decision in a Celtic Rangers game, and that's just what happens because they're the two clubs that get the most attention in the country. But we have seen some absolute stinkers this season. But for me, that one is honestly up there as is, is one of the worst offside calls you will ever see. I pretty much sums up. Absolute garbage. Peyton was done out of a goal. And yeah, I mean, what what more else is there to say? I mean, the linesman was tragic on that one. I think Willie Collin was generally petty and frustrating throughout that game, as as he usually is as well. And yeah, it's just it's just another example of poor refereeing in Scotland. I mean, we when we have, as you mentioned, David, we don't tend to bring up refs too much, but when we have talked about it, we have commented on the the issue that you see from refs that were previously League One refs getting promoted to the Championship because Championship refs get promoted to the Premiership for for VAR, and it's uh, I don't know if it makes a difference. <laughs> If I'm honest, it kind of just feels like they're, they're all a wee bit hoaching these days. But yes, thankfully on this occasion, it, it, it didn't result in us dropping any points because of it, because that would have been a particularly sore way to, to lose them. Yeah, that, it was a, week, a bit of a weekend for dodgy results elsewhere. I don't know if you guys seen the one for Morton and Dundee United. The, the Dundee United, oh, uh, it would have been the third goal for Holt disallowed his basically suplexed to the ground by Kirk Broadfoot, still gets up and headers it into the back of the net, but somehow not given. Uh, I think there was another one in League 2, was it not, as well? Was it Clyde and Elgin? Oh, no, I think they were playing oh. Clyde. I think it was Elgin, wasn't it? Uh, listen, see that Elgin one? I actually think it was the right decision. I realise it was, it, was the, the players, it was a bit of a clatter in between the two players, but I actually think the referee made the right decision there because ultimately the goalkeeper was nowhere near the ball and he went through the striker. I think he was right to give a penalty there, but you are right that across the board there's been a lot of complaints about it recently. Um, we just need to be thankful that ultimately it didn't cost us any points because if it had, I would be absolutely apoplectic right now. I'd be, I'd be writing a letter of complaint to the SFA at this stage, honestly, because I just, I, I wouldn't have been able to deal with that given how long it's been um, overdue. So yeah, fortunately, in the end, it didn't matter. Yeah, thankfully not. I say, let's talk about the two goals. Well, we've kind of already mentioned them. Uh, Dom Thomas made it two one. He got the uh, the the winning goal with a a bit of a deflection, but he still had to get the pass played to him by Cammy Bruce, and he still had to take a shot. How many times? How many games this season have we complained about just not having that go on goal when you're twenty five thirty yards out? Sometimes that's what you need to try and do. That's what he did. He got lucky that time and it came off. But of course, Rudy Payton made it one 0 and that is his 10th league goal. Uh, let me just double-check that right now. That is 10, yeah. Ten, 10 league goals. He is joint top goal scorer in the league with Lewis Vaughan and Brian Graham. Uh, he goes top based on uh, well, him and Lewis Vaughan both have three assists, but then with Peyton being top, I can assume that's down to minutes played maybe or something like that. I'm not quite sure. But just a quick word on, on Rudy Payton because... A little bit of discourse online uh, amongst Queen's Park fans, um, particularly like Pine Bovro. I don't know, you really know if you see it much elsewhere, but obviously Football Forum, everybody's going to be entitled to their opinion. But I find it quite incredible that there's some people question Rudy Payton when he's the top goal scorer in a team that has, I mean, we've used a lot of words to describe Queen's Park over the last four months. I don't think I need to go back through it right now. This is a positive, happy episode. But we know what we've been watching, and for him to have scored 10 league goals, chipped in with the three assists as well, and to 
he probably he will know that he probably could have had a good few more as well. Um, yeah, I just find it quite incredible that he seems to be getting a little bit stick and people think he needs to be doing a little bit more. Uh, I really don't understand that myself. Do you guys have anything to say on that? So I think, yeah, so I, he's obviously doing very, very well. I mean, the guy's stepping up a level. He's playing in a team that have frankly been rotten for a long period of time. And I would argue that uh, for a large part of the season, we've been playing a system that didn't suit him. I think he's a guy that needs guys close to him and around him. And that's part of the reason perhaps that they put Dom Thomas up with him. I think it's it's helpful having someone a wee bit closer that they can play off. I think they attempted that a wee bit by putting Turner up um, and, and the sort of wee triangles are, uh, with the, the winger and Peyton. But I think he does need that. I can understand why some people get frustrated with him to a degree, but I think for me, when I feel like there's frustrations with Peyton, it's more because I think there's more to come from him. I don't think it's because he's a bad footballer or anything like that. I think it's that you can see him doing stuff and you're like, ah, you just had a wee bit more there, a wee bit more here. His goal return could be even better because he does get himself into a lot of good positions. Also, I think there might just be still some people who think that he's meant to be Simon Murray when he's clearly not. He's, he's not the same type of footballer. Um, and Simon Murray, I think, that obviously had his, his great season before he left last year. And I don't think um, like that's quite a hard comparison to make, especially in the context of Simon Murray being a team that was, that was doing well. I think if you put Peyton in that team when we were doing very well, I think he would have even more goals. <laughs> possibly than um than Simon Murray did. Or well, no, maybe not more goals than Simon Murray, but he would uh, certainly have more goals than he has himself right now. But overall, I mean there's plenty of things to complain about this club. Peyton is not one of them. Uh, there is several areas that that need much more attention than 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 Peyton. And the only thing that I would say about our striker options is that he, is that he just needs support. He needs somebody else to either play up alongside him or to potentially give him a bit of a break because <laughs> I don't know about you, but it looks like a burst ball half the time by the, by the time he finishes a game, and that's through him really very rarely getting substituted at any point, I think. And a lot of the time when he's playing as a lone striker, he's he's just got to do all the running on his own. He's got absolutely nothing around him half the time. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty fair summary of it. Um, that is, it is an interesting comparison between him and Simon Murray. I think they're different sort of players, though, because Murray... Murray does a lot with kind of, he was really good at holding the ball up and, and and he was a bit more of a physical sort of player, I think, than what Peyton is. But I think you could probably make the case that Peyton's a more natural finisher than Murray. So um, who knows? I can imagine actually in a team that plays with two up front, if you could somehow play them both together, they would they would be a really good partnership. Um, but ultimately, Simon Murray's not here and Rory Peyton is. And he scored 10 goals, as you say, in a team that's really badly struggling. Uh, and I think, to be completely honest with you, I absolutely love Rudy Payton. I think he's such a likeable guy. I love listening to his interviews. I loved the interview with him that the club posted after the game and, and he had a brilliant interview on the TV as well when he spoke to the BBC. Um, just such a... He, he's such a character, but he's so honest as well. I think he, he accepts that there's elements of his game that do need to get better. He knows that and he's not going to shy away from that. Um, and I'm just... I, I'm, I'm very thankful that we have him in a three-year deal and I think that is going to prove to be an exceptional bit of, a bit of work by the club to to get him to sign that because I've already seen so the, the SPFL posted on their Twitter page the other day uh, with the replay of that goal they, 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 the question they put to, to their followers was is he the best finisher outside the Premiership and obviously he had Thistle fans saying no it's Brian Gray I mean you had Wraith fans saying Lewis Vaughan a couple of other daft suggestions here and there as well but you also had fans of Premiership clubs saying look at this guy you know 
we should be taking a look at and my thoughts on that are maybe you should but it's going to cost you because he's here until 2026 and uh, we're in a good position thanks to that deal yeah we definitely are and as you say cracking interviews he gets bonus points as well for using the phrase kick up the arse on BBC so uh, yeah uh, excellent <laughs> work by Rudy Payton and excellent work by him on and off the park on Friday night uh, does he get your man of the match votes um We'll go. We'll, we'll do twenty twenty four, and the man of the match is voted for by the guys at the game. So it's between you two. Oh, I'll let you go first, Enzo. For me, yeah, I think he was the best. I think ultimately he was the most impactful player on the night. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to go with Peyton as well. He's uh, he's put in an absolute shed load of effort over the last while, and I thought. I mean, you've seen it in the interview after the game with him. I think he was pretty pleased with his own performance. He was saying, "I finally got to show." To people on the TV, uh, a That's bit more right, of what is yeah. a bit more of what he's about, and I think I think that was fair because I think one of the things that I thought was different, I actually thought he used his physicality a wee bit better that game than he than he usually does. I feel like sometimes he can be he he, he struggles a wee bit with holding the ball up, especially for aerial balls. But I thought he was he was a lot better at it, so I'm I'm happy to go with Peyton as well. Yeah, good stuff. Then uh, an easy decision there, and Willie also rounds off the week. He got a, a space in the SPFL team of the week as well. So yeah, as I say, cracking day for Rudy Payton, cracking day for Queens Park because as we're all now very well aware, that was our first league win in four and a bit months. Just a, such a delight to get that. Um, let's have a quick look at how the championship table stands because. We have deliberately avoided it the last couple of weeks, but we are now over the halfway mark in the in the season. And of course, with things changing at Queen's Park, we could perhaps look and see what we think. And you guys have already kind of talked on the teams roundabouts and, and where you think we can and, and could well be. So uh yeah, the league standards. So all the teams are either on 20 games or 19 games played. I'm not going to go through each of them all there. I'll just go through the points. You have Wraith Rovers at the top on 44 points. Dundee United in second on 41, Partick Thistle on 35, then Airdrie currently in fourth place on 27, so there's a fair bit of a gap between second and third, but then Thistle are also got a gap to fourth as well, they're kind of out there on their own right now. So you get Airdrie, fourth place on 27 points, Morton on 25, Dunfermline 23, Inverness 21, Air 19, then Queen's Park and Arbroath both on 17 points, but we are off the bottom of the table on goal difference. Uh, last season was a crazy championship at the top end for Queen's Park. This season is crazy at the bottom end because, as we say, despite the fact we went from the 19th of August until the, what was that, the 5th, the 6th of January, without a win, we are 10 points off of the playoff places, which... And that's why league it literally could be four weeks. You, we could be back here the beginning of February. We could win four game. We could win four games in a row, and we could be talking about how we're up into the playoffs. It's it's so, so weird. Yeah, it's mental. And obviously, at the minute, that's not the goal. We need to just take one game at a time course, and, and focus. No, no, no. But listen, you're right though. The, the point you're making is absolutely spot on. You you really don't know what's going to happen in in this league. It's just it's it's absolutely wild. Um, and I would prefer that we were you know, one of the clubs up near the top end, but still exciting, I suppose, in its own way. It wasn't exciting when you didn't think we'd then hope of winning games, but I feel as though things have changed for the better and um, we might be a little bit more positive and optimistic on this podcast in the coming months. We'll see. It has to be, doesn't it? I mean, surely to goodness we've had our bad spell. If anyone's going to have a bad spell, it's four months and no winning a game. 
So yeah. other other teams are due it. And it is utterly ridiculous that we went through that spell. I know obviously we won our first three games of the season, so that helps massively. But it is ridiculous that we came out of that spell and are still in touching distance everybody. Because I think having the, the top two and top three in the league kind of breaking away a wee bit, it just left that big clump of, of, of the rest of us behind us. And I honestly, I don't think anyone at this point, including Airdrie, down will be massively confident. And I think every single one of those teams will be looking downward rather than up because I honestly don't believe that anyone from Airdrie, Morton, Dunfermline, Inverness, etc. I don't think any of them are going to be looking at Thistle, Dundee, United and Wraith and thinking, yeah, we're chasing them. I think they're going to be thinking, we need to stay away from that drop. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is, um, <laughs> yeah, one hell of a league, as I say. We, we were experienced at the top end last season. This season, not not where we want to be, but it is unbelievably exciting, and who knows where we go. Um, we will talk about who's potentially going to lead us there, and we certainly hope we'll see out this season and, and see it out very well in a minute. But let's first talk about, as we go on to do our news roundup, let's talk about the departure of Leanne Dempster from Queen's Park. So has been the CEO of Queen's Park and just about, she announced her departure, it was about a week short of three years exactly in the role. Uh, she was announced January 21 and has obviously left. It was on the, the 6th of January this year that she has left. Um, first things first, we obviously have to say that there was the article posted online by one of the Red Top newspapers that did mention that there may well have been some potentially serious health concerns uh, for Leanne Dempster. Uh, we've no idea if that's true. Of course, there's no announcement by Queen's Park or, or anybody else that is much more reliable than one of those newspapers. But we also just have to say, the three of us, and I'm sure everybody else listening, that if those health concerns are indeed true, then we do all wish her the absolute very best in overcoming and fighting whatever it is that she may well be up against. Uh, what we are going to do, we are going to talk about her time in the chief executive role for the last three years at Queen's Park. We'll talk about a couple of things that have happened over those years, or perhaps things that haven't happened, and perhaps just how we would sum up our time as the chief exec of Queen's Park. Um, as I say, a lot has happened. Uh, Enzo, I believe you wanted to get the ball rolling on this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to come across as overly negative here, right? Because I know that there have been a lot of negative comments out there about Leanne Dempster's time at the club. Um, the problem is, the, the problem we face as a fan base where we want to discuss her tenure is that ultimately... We don't really know what's been happening behind the scenes because they don't, they haven't really been telling us anything. And we talked about this in a bit of detail last week, and I think we got quite frustrated about it in a bit of detail last week. But it's 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 a fact. We we haven't really been kept in the loop about a whole lot, and uh, that that means that all we can base our opinions on is is what we as fans can see. And what we as fans can see, let's be honest, it isn't great because the things that have happened that the positives that have that have actually taken place can almost all be attributed to other people who've been involved at the club, be it Bucher, Owen Coyle, whoever else. And 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 that's why honestly I I think ultimately you're looking at a positive. This is this is this has got to be a good thing. Um because if, if I'm looking back at Leanne Dempster's time now, all ultimately I recognise that 
there's other people involved in making decisions. And I understand that people, um, you know, it's not just hard doing absolutely everything on our own, but as the, the, the chief executive, the buck stops with her. That's that's a simple fact. And, you know, you've got to look at things like the, the botched redevelopment of Lesser Hamden. Um, arguably, <laughs> you could possibly make the claim that one of the, the worst stadium redevelopments in football history. I can't, can't personally think of any other examples, but if there's anyone out there, I'd, I'd love to hear about it because it, it would be absolutely hilarious if it's somehow worse than this. Um, so now we're back renting a stadium, which probably costs a lot of money, uh, that we used to own. That in itself doesn't reflect greatly on, on the person who came out and, and promised us bigger and better when they, they scratched the previous plans for Lesser. Um, you've got to look at the fact that we've just appointed what would be what her, the fifth permanent manager in her tenure so far at the club, including a spell of basically about half a season where we didn't really have one at all. Now, obviously, we had um, Bucher doing the job and we had, uh, what's the guy that ended up, he's now at Wraith in some capacity. John Potter. John Potter. Sorry, John, if you're listening, I'd... <laughs> Forgot what your name was there for a second. And then Oli was there sort of behind the scenes. But officially, we, we basically didn't have a manager for the best part of half of that season. That's not great. And and that separate to this conversation. But that's why I'm really keen for us to get somebody who's just come in, going to come in, uh, sit down roots here and, and be at the club for two, three years. Because when was the last time that happened? Gus McPherson, probably. Was he the last manager that actually stuck around for a significant period of time? I think he, I think he probably must have been. Um, so that's frustrating as a fan. Um, and then, you know, the probably again not her direct doing, but ultimately she was in charge of the club. The, you know, the the cup saga up in Inverness, the the the, the fiasco where we get papped out of the cup for not playing a, for, for playing an ineligible player, potentially resulting in arguably mass, lo, uh, massive lost revenue because you know if you can progress in the cup, then there's there's a, a lot of money there for for any clubs to be made. In fact, Inverness, I know that they kicked on a little bit further than what we necessarily might have done had we, you know, progressed uh, beyond them. But you never know. You have absolutely no idea. Um, what about, you know, selling Simon Murray in January? Now, is that her fault? I don't know. But surely at some point she has the, the, the power to step in and say, no, we're not doing this. Because at that point, we were on a trajectory for the Premiership. Again, that would have brought in a huge amount of money to the club. Ultimately, we basically went on, hardly won a single game the rest of that season and finished third on the last day and it was just a pretty pretty disappointing way for things to end and then and then just beyond that you need to you need to look at the communication that's come from the club over the past few years it's just been it's been pathetic to be frank um, and we don't have a big fan base and it, it makes you feel as though the club take you for granted I, I feel as though some people are, are yeah, I've heard some people just feel as though they're, they're completely they've been completely disenfranchised and, and 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 that's not what you want and the, the lack of communication and transparency has just not been acceptable and that's something the club will hopefully get better at going forward. So, um, yeah, I, I, apologies for the rant. I just feel as though I've just spent the past five minutes talking about all the, the horrible things that have happened uh, under her, her tenure at the club, but that is sadly how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I can't disagree with you. There's been... A lack of communication, a lack of transparency, a lack of taking responsibility and just a straight up lack of results. If I was looking at a CEO of any organization, I would be questioning what have you done to improve the organization and also improve the sustainability of it. And I I don't feel like given the money that has been invested in this club, we're much further forward than some of the core areas. 
we don't have a long-term home right now, let's be frank. So the stadium is obviously, we have no idea what's happening. But as far as it is, you're right. You, you said it, Enzo, we are renting a stadium that we used to own and we don't have a suitable alternative to that because Lesser Hamden is nowhere near scratch. We know that, as far as we're aware, that that, that Leanne was heavily involved in the, the redesign of the stadium and influencing the decisions there, as she would be uh, expected to be in that position. And that has been such an abject failure. And I'm I'm still not I'm I'm not a massive fan of of being back at Hamden. If I'm honest, the, the atmosphere is is painful. And one of the good things about being in Steny was that regardless of the crowd size, because you were all together, you got a bit of an atmosphere. Whereas at Hamden, you're still just shouting into a void. So it's it's a wee bit depressing at that front. So you can notch that up as sort of for me, that's the biggest failure. I will give some credit. So the foundation has been started. That's a positive. Um, obviously, we got the the elite status. I know that that will be partly in Bucher's side as well, but I know that there's some um, some infrastructure and stuff like that that had to be in place for that to to be achieved, which I'm I'm sure she would have been involved in. But overall, I feel that the club is in a massively more secure position than where we were a couple of seasons ago. Not necessarily, no. It feels like a lot of wasted time. And even on the football side of it, we signed Bucher, we were implementing this Dutch vision, and that was meant to be the the path to sustainability for, for Queen's Park. And I'm separating all the positive feelings that I've got about this, the, the change in terms of management and direction and stuff like that right now. But to recognise that all of that is on the face of it being binned it just to me is like, well, what was the point in that period of time? Why, why have we not got much of a return from that? It, it, it's it's a it's a wee bit frustrating. So yeah, it's un- underwhelming uh, on the whole for me. Just over the last few years, it's it, it felt like su- we have such a good opportunity to do something that not many clubs in Scottish football get. Like start with a bit of a blank canvas, and it just feels like at every turn we've it's managed to to fall apart to some degree. And she's unfortunately leaving with pretty much the vast majority of fans relieved um, and and now hopeful that we'll be seeing significant change, which just doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't indicate much positivity. And the, the communication side of it, which you mentioned, Andrew, is, is totally 100% correct. There is no need for it, no need for our fans to feel so alienated from the club. Even if some of these things like Lesser had happened and we were actually brought along in those sort of conversations and we're a bit more informed you can have some sympathy to fo- towards it but without anyone at the club being willing to speak to the fans then you can't be anything other than critical because yet again we can only we can only comment on the evidence that we see and the evidence is is not good sadly so yeah um i'm, I'm pleased that that is over now and what all my main my main concern now is what's next there's still Obviously, we've now got got Davidson in. There's still a question over, do you get a replacement for, for Bucher and the director of football role? Are we going to have uh, a new CEO come in? What's their vision going to be? How does that all join up together? Like, the, There's still so much of the club that is vulnerable because of the senior positions in the club now, now leaving, uh, which does leave us in a, a space for opportunity because it hopefully all will become better but in in the same sense um it's it's a lot of change for the club to go through at one time yet again and i think that the biggest thing that we need off the back of this is, is some form of stability both 
on the football side of it, which is really important because, I mean, that's why we're all here, because we want to watch the football and watch an interesting team. But also on the off-field side of the pitch, we need someone to come in and actually drive that forward because there's still so much that needs done. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You 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 mentioned the word underwhelming there, Callum. I think that's the 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 most polite way that I could put it myself. Um, so many of the the kind of decisions that were made by you would you would assume the CEO because, uh, as you've both said, the the communication from the club, as we all know, has been horrific for who knows how long. Um, you, it's, it's quite incredible to me that aside from the setting up of the the Queen's Park Foundation, which certainly does seem to be. Um, running pretty well from again the outside looking in, it seems like that's doing well, and and that I, I believe is credited to Leanne Dempster. She did similar um, at, at Motherwell, so it must be her. Aside from that, I think the only other good decision she may well have made is one that you kind of touched on, Calum, in that we went to Aquaview for a year, but yet going to Aquaview was an absolutely ridiculous decision, and that we weren't playing in the Glasgow area. Can I, that I, the best decision she made. No, can uh, I can I just step in? So I listen, right? I didn't mind Oakview as a ground, but that yeah. have, having a player that is still a failing on the club. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. My, my comment on Oakview is just um, also reflective of the failing of the club to not have Lesser anywhere yeah. near usable. Oh, um, oh, yeah, 100%. But I just mean, like, the points that you made, like, Oakview was great for the fans, whereas being at Hamden is, is not. And that, yeah, the, both of those, you know, that, that reflects That's a little bit of sense. The, the fact that, the fact that, we were at Aquaview and we were having to travel for, for all the home games. And remember, to begin with, we were being made to travel on our, you know, make our own way. The club weren't going to do anything else. Was that perhaps a CEO decision? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll round this off because we've got a lot of other things to cover. Um, underwhelming, putting it very politely. Uh, we hope that things may well get better going forward. Um, last little cynical note for me, then um, it, it's a nice little segue into the next news topic. Is that I wonder if she was um, leaving before she had to face the the members as the AGM for the the, the club members as this week. I believe it's this Thursday, uh, so that would be the eleventh of January. Uh, I wonder if if she perhaps didn't want to face the members there and then face perhaps some of the the questions that may she may well have faced at that meeting. There's going to be a number of, I mean, you mentioned, Calm, that the, the amount of change at the club. Well, there's going to be more change there. There's going to be a new club president. It's going to be Graham Shields, who is currently involved in the um, with the, the first team and, and with the club in a role. I'm not 100% exactly what it is, but he is the um, only person running for uh, club president. I believe David Hunter has reached the sort of maximum term. I may be wrong there, but I believe that's the case. Apologies if I am wrong. So it will be Graeme Shields will be the new club president. There will be new elections for committee members, which I heard a couple of little stories that weren't maybe very good about not necessarily collusion as such, but committee members and new people standing for the committee perhaps not being given the a proper fair chance at running and being asked, oh, if you drop out, we'll maybe let this person in and things like that. It's just... It goes all the way back to the communication at the club and the way that the clubs run. We've do we how how long how many times do we have to say that we don't know who actually is in charge of who at the club and who runs what? Maybe maybe with a new club president, we'll maybe want to show that maybe things will be a little bit different and maybe come out and be a little bit more proactive and communicating with the the, the fans and and letting people know what's happening. Who knows? But. Anything comes to the club AGM, we'll bring it to you next week. But um, 
what do you guys make of anything to do with the AGM? Have you guys had a look? Have you heard anything about what may be happening on the night? Um, no, but I'm just hopeful that there'll be some meaningful change. That's the that's that's all that really matters. I know that there's some really good people standing um, for for the committee, and, and I think it would be really really positive for the club if they were to 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 get the get the positions. Yeah, totally agree. The the process and uh, the way that it's ran still feels quite archaic to me. If I'm honest, I, I find it odd that we've got somebody running for for club president that's uncontested. Um, I, I don't really understand why there's nobody else or how you get to that position. Um, but yeah, I think we, we've said for a while. It, if if there is anybody new to the committee, <laughs> please speak to the fans and give us a wee bit more clarity on how things works. Because it's it's really unclear from practically every element of the of the club on who's controlling what. So that 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 would be the main the main ask. But um, if you if you are uh, if you are involved in in that process, then hopefully everyone who's standing for the committee is given a a good account on why they should be elected to the committee and what changes in their plans are and it's not just a case of, of voting for people because they were there before um, because I think there's a lot of people who are are willing to to try and put the effort in to create some positive change Yep, well said um, That let's round that off as the, the misery section of the podcast let's continue with the news but let's move on to what we're what we're really wanting to talk about now, well, second after that first win in God knows how long, is the news Callum Davidson has now been confirmed. He is the new manager of Queen's Park. He's been given a two and a half year contract, so it's going to run until the summer of 2026. He comes in, he left St Johnston, was it at the beginning of last calendar year, I believe? Uh, let me just double check, or was it during the season? Uh, it was just towards the end of last season, actually. So he's been out of the game for maybe about nine months or so. Uh, obviously, it's St Johnson. I think there's plenty you can talk about in terms of their, their league record and things like that, but you cannot talk about Callum Davidson at St Johnson without mentioning the fact that he won the Cup double with them. He won the, the League Cup and the Scottish Cup. And to do that with a club outside of Rangers and Celtic in Scottish football in the last 40 years, you know, uh, is an incredible achievement. Um, it's would be borderline unheard of. So he not only comes with that pedigree, but of course he was a former player as well, capped for Scotland. Um, I think, but obviously as a defender, it leans into the, the thinking that he's going to be a very, maybe not a very defensive-minded coach, but he's going to take pride in having a solid, reliable defence, which is something we are absolutely crying out for. If that is indeed the case, you can see why he was the, the preferred candidate for Queen's Park. I don't know, Cal Menzo, I don't know which one of you wants to, to take the start here. What what do you make of Calm Davidson? Because I don't think when we spoke about it a few weeks ago, I don't know if he was a name that we actually mentioned when we were talking about who we uh, would see coming in. I don't believe he was, no. Um, we were actually talking about that earlier on in our own group chat. Was he a name that, that we'd given a, a rating to the way we rated them? And I think, so if I'm being completely honest with you, initially, I, I don't know if Davidson would have been one of my first choices. Um, and it's not because... It's not because I have any issue with him as a manager or have any concerns necessarily. It's just because I was really, really keen on Tam Courts. I was convinced that he was the man for the job. But now, when these rumours started uh, coming up a few days ago, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. But I've kind of the idea of it has grown on me, and now I'm feeling I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I would say I think. I think he's the kind of guy that we might need right now. And it's, it's a pretty 
it's a pretty stark change in direction from the you know, from Veldman and even potentially Tam Coates, I suppose, because Coates is the kind of guy who has worked with a lot of young players in the past, whereas I, I see Davidson as more of a traditional Scottish football manager who's not going to mess about and he'll come in and he'll get results. And it might not always necessarily be pretty, but the team will probably be functional. And I know that some St. Johnson fans, despite his success there, but he did win them two major trophies in the same season. I know that some St. Johnson fans aren't massively keen on the guy because... They criticise his recruitment. They criticise um, various other aspects of the job that he did there. But ultimately, right, we are a, a few goals away from being bottom of the championship. That is the, the realistic scenario that we find ourselves in. We aren't a massive club, so we're not going to draw people in just purely based on stature or anything like that. It's not as though somebody's going to go, yep, yeah, you know, they're struggling, but that's Queen's Park. I want to, I want to go and work there. As much as we wish it were like that, it's just not realistic. So you're not you're not going to get anybody coming in to take this job who doesn't have any sort of blemishes on their on their record, and I know that towards the end of his of his spell at St Johnson there were some they were disappointing to to put it mildly, but I think he could be the man to come in and turn us around. I think he, he will be a little bit more. I'm not entirely sure what the word for it is. Maybe a bit more pragmatic in his approach to playing football, um, and I'm I'm excited now. Yeah. I- I, w- I would agree. Um, I'm the same as you, Enzo, so I, I can't say I was like proper buzzing when this was all coming around that it was going to be Davidson. I can't also say that I know a huge amount about him, like genuinely day-to-day. Obviously, you know, the, the cup wins and, and the sort of how he ended up leaving St. Johnston. But from what I've seen, he likes to move the ball up the pitch quickly, get get the ball through to his forwards and kind of play around that, which I'm I'm happy with if we're kind of going away from the slow build-up from a, a, a style of football sort of angle. And I agree with you. I think it's really tricky, right, because you, you've got to balance the, like, what is this club? Like, what what is Queen's Park? What is the... I, I'm, I don't like using the word now because it feels cursed, but, like, what is the philosophy? What's the... The long-term goal, etc. But we have to also balance that with we need to win football games and not get relegated because there's a big horrible trap door, and it looks like Falkirk. And I don't, I don't want to risk going back down after all the investments been put into the club uh, to League One and trying to get back out of that and in, in, in the upcoming seasons because it just it kind of puts you ten steps back to be honest as as we're all aware. So no, I'm 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 fine with the appointment. I think that there has to be that level of self awareness that we are a significantly less attractive prospect as a football club than we were in the summer. If you think of when we are appointing a new manager, we no longer have a CEO, a director of football and we're where I guess up until the the game against Unfermland sitting dead last in the league and not won a game in months. So um, it's it's not exactly an attractive prospect. My main hope, though, is because there was all the rumours with Davidson in the summer, wasn't there, that when uh, Dundee sat Gary Boyer, that he might be going there to take them into the Premiership. And by all accounts, again, rumours, but the, the speculation was that he rejected that. So it does feel kind of odd that he's here. And there is a bit of me like this is this is a risk for him. Like he obviously did really well to win the cups at St Johnston, but all turned pear shape off the back of it by by the end. So if he comes here and fundamentally fails, then you really are dropping your sort of credibility levels um, in terms of what his next job. So this is this is quite a like it's an it's an important job for his managerial career, and I I just don't think he would have taken that risk. 
if he genuinely a didn't believe in the existing squad. So I've no doubt he'll have watched plenty of football, and I'm I'm hoping that he's he's seen enough there to think, nah, if I change this up a wee bit, we can get something from it. And also, I don't believe they'll have taken this without some sort of knowledge that we're going to be making two or three. I mean, he did hint in the in the interview that he's going to be looking to make a few signings, but I don't think he would have joined without a guarantee that we'll be able to make a few pretty significant, impactful first team signings. Not not young guys that are ones for the future. We've got a million and one of those people who can come into the squad right now and and make a difference. So that's exciting in its own way for me. So yeah, as as with all managers that you, that you get, you'll you'll have all the other teams that are uh, telling you all their flaws. But every single manager that is operating in Scottish football practically has got a horror story somewhere. So you just need to see how he gets on, and um, you'll certainly have our or I'll have my full support in in the in the next few games. Yeah, well said. He's going to have to have our support because, yeah, there's, there isn't going to be a manager that comes in without some little Achilles heel potentially there. So, yeah, um, you know, maybe how it ended and, you know, a lot of St. John's fans talk about sort of dealings in the transfer window, which is going to be big for us. Without a director of football, you're going to assume that it is going to be him fully in charge of that for us this, this window, which is a massive one. So it might be very interesting to see what he goes about and does and, and the kind of players that he targets, whether whether he does go after any young players, if there maybe is still that influence by somebody at the club or, yeah, where he decides to go. But I agree that he's not going to have came to Queen's Park in the position that we're in without the kind of promise that you're going to be given some amount of money. We're, we're assuming that uh, there was compensation when Marine Buker went to Ajax. There's also potentially a, a, a news story we'll come on to in a moment where there may well be a, a young player leaving that, that will definitely generate a transfer fee and you'd think quite a sizable one as well so there could well be money to spend um, it will be very interesting to see what he does uh, as a off the park we're all very um, interested in the transfer window because we know where where some weaknesses lie in this squad and, and where we need to improve but it'll be very interesting to see what he does on the park. I mentioned earlier on that I think this change to the, the sort of 3-5-2, 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it, um, came kind of out of the blue. It's not really something we expected at all. You can certainly give the credit to Paul Noyt just for trying that off his own back, and maybe I'm being unfair to him. But it's definitely a preferred formation of Calm Davis. When you look at uh, his sort of record, it was, sometimes it's called a 3-4-3 or... Three, four, one, two. You're getting, you're getting over the complicated. It's, it's this three, five, two that he likes to play. So we, we, we can expect to see three centre halves. Um, if that's the case, then uh, either he's going to have to give Will Tizzard a chance and bring him in, and we get Jack Thompson back in the midfield because it's for as good as Jack Thompson is there. I want him back in midfield. Spoke about this last week. Or you know, you, we, we're going to have to expect at least one centre half to come in as well to to provide that competition and to bulk up the numbers there. Um, and yeah, uh, see what else he can do. If he's going to play the two strikers, will that be Dom Thomas? Will he bring in an actual recognised striker? I don't know if it's just simply the St Johnston link. I think a few of us, or certainly the three of us were talking, potentially David Watherspoon was obviously with them at St Johnston, but it looks like he's signing for Dundee United, as was uh, announced on Twitter earlier on this evening. And again, I don't know if it's just a link, but somebody was talking about Stevie May. Take him as the legs to run about beside Rudy Payton up front. Get Stephen May running about and give the body Payton to, to score the goals. 
is that just a case of putting two and two together and getting seven, or or what is that the kind of striker you think you'd want to see coming in? We want. Do you think you want somebody with the legs, or as this is assuming that we go with this three five two formation, you want somebody to go out and run about up there beside Peyton? Oh, aye. I mean, if Stevie May was available, that would be tremendous. I forgot that he didn't have hair these days, which was really disturbing. Was it one of you that sent in the picture? I can't mind. But um, yeah, I, I, I would. I think that would suit Peyton really well. If I'm honest, having somebody to sort of do that leg work and leave him to just get into goal scoring positions and have the ball fed to him a wee bit more, I think that would be excellent. I think just more than anything, isn't it? It's just nice to have a, a new direction. I think one of the we we have obviously complimented Neuton and the changes that he made, but I think one of the frustrations in the first few games were that it just looked like we were doing the same thing. And we know that with a new manager coming in, it's gonna it's gonna put all the all the guys on their heels, which is which is a positive. They're they're all gonna be fighting for their positions. Lots of them are it'll be interesting to see. I always find it interesting when you get a new manager. Who do they there's invariably going to be someone in the or at least a couple in the starting eleven that don't end up in it going forward and vice versa. There'll be people that are probably a wee bit ostracised right now that end up coming back into the team. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but it's just nice to have something to look forward to again. And there's a wee bit of hope that we can we can just change our style of football. I mean, we, we've seen glimpses this season of of entertaining football, but I think on the whole, it's, it's just not been very good to watch. Like it, it hasn't been an entertaining product. I know that, like obviously winning games makes it infinitely more interesting and you'll suddenly start enjoying it but it would be good to see a style of football that was kind of fun to watch again I mean if you think back to Coyle's style of football at his pomp it was it was good to watch like it was it was really entertaining it was fast-paced football so I'm I'm hoping that we can see a wee bit more of that because I think after watching it for half a season the the slow build-up and the passing it around the back for 10 hours before getting the ball forward it's, it's kind of had enough yet. Stevie May and another centre-half come in, regardless of what shape Davidson is planning on playing, to be honest with you, those two are my priorities right now. We we can't go on with Peyton being our only real dedicated striker. It's just not right. And I think I would also like to see his recall Scott Williamson from Cove Rangers. I know that he might not... He might not play all that much, but I'd rather he, he was there as an option off the bench. Um, but yeah, Stevie May would... He ticks all the boxes for me because he might not score all that many goals, but like you say, Cam, he'll do a lot of the legwork, which will then facilitate Peyton to probably go on and, and, and maybe even finish top scorer in the whole division. So um, I he would be... He, he, just, he just seems like the perfect fit, and I think there's a very good shout that he might be the guy that we that we do bring in. And, and, and the the um, the other option for me as well at centre-half, if we're looking in, in that area of the park, would be potentially Lee Ashcroft, who was... Um, who's Dundee, but he seems to have sort of been frozen out there, much like me at St. Johnson, a guy who was really solid in the championship last year for when they unfortunately went on to win the, the title. Um, and the, the the big connection there is obviously that Callum Davidson's really good mates with Gordon Strachan, who's still in his role at Dundee. So even though Ashcroft has been linked with ourselves and Partick Thistle, and Partick Thistle signed Dan O'Reilly tonight from Wraith Rovers, so they might not necessarily be in the market for a centre-half anymore. Um I think he would be a, a, a really, really good option. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I mean that's uh, it's pretty good for old skint Partick Thistle to be to be singing O'Reilly and beating uh, Wraith Rovers skin. to the to the signature skin. there, aren't they? Aye, let's get the the buckets out for them. 
Um, but yeah, back to back to ourselves. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a good point. I would be <laughs> over the moon if it was if it was Stevie May and Lee Ashcroft. That would be two excellent signings. And I think um, I think the the main thing that I'm certainly looking for is guys that are experienced and that are going to provide an instant impact. And we know they're proven to some degree at this level of football. I don't think in the situation that we're in right now, I don't think we can be adding guys who are trying to make the step up. Even though it might work out, I think you do need to get some guys in this team who just know how to play at this level and, and can do well. And it shouldn't take too much. I mean, you've got bloody Kirk Broadfoot sitting playing every game at Morton and they're currently fifth in the league. Not saying that I want Kirk Broadfoot, by the way, but I'm saying like the, the level of competence that you need to get by in the championship isn't as high or as difficult as we seem to have managed to make it to be. Um, the other one that I, th- I think if we're, if we're going for three signings, so I think we're all clear. We need a striker. We need a centre back. I wonder if they'll be if they'll be interested in signing another winger. So I'm assuming that um, I'm assuming that Barry Hepburn's away. That's just my my speculation because he's not been in the squad. I've got absolutely nothing to back that up. But if Hepburn is away and he seems to be frozen out, and you've got Dom Thomas as as one winger, McKinstry, I'm still not sure what his position is going to end up being, but I think there might be a wee bit of an appetite there. Um, and again, though, who that would be at this stage, January, I, I really don't know. So the, the centre-back and a, and a striker would definitely be the, the primary ones for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and I think, do you know, do you know what's another thing that's probably worth bearing in mind? See when a new manager comes in, guys who have maybe not been performing they might step up. He might be able to get something different out of them. We might be able to um, motivate them and, and get them up for it when perhaps they were struggling a wee bit before. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw somebody step up who we haven't seen the best out of so far this season. So that that's another, you know, you, you never really know what's going to happen when you bring in a new, uh, a new head coach. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he is head coach. I don't know if I said manager earlier on, but or maybe I've said manager a number of times now, but I wonder if that perhaps points to there maybe being, yeah, head, same thing. But I don't know, is it? No, because maybe manager would sort of suggest that as somebody that's in charge of absolutely everything, whereas I think the more kind of modern way of doing it, and, and air quotes, is it not that you'd have the head coach is just on the pitch and you might have that director of football who does... The, the background and, and the signings and things like that. Who knows what that maybe means going forward. Um, haven't, we, oh, haven't, we always, haven't we always called the manager head coach though? I think I think we have, but oh, okay. um, I, yeah, I, I agree with the concept though, David. I'm, I'm much less keen on having a manager who is realistically always thinking to the, the next sort of 12 months rather than two or three years. I'm, I'm much less keen on having them in full control of the of the purse strings i'd rather have somebody who is uh, in that director of football position who is thinking a wee bit more long term about some of this stuff and one that ideally will will actually stay here <laughs> yes that's that's definitely going to be the, the number one criteria <laughs> for the next one um so calm davidson so he's going to be assisted he's bringing in liam craig who played with him at St, or played under him at st johnson as well and I'm, i don't know if he was in his, his staff before uh so he's bringing him as as assistant and you've also got uh paul noyton is going to stay at the club where i think we weren't quite sure if he would be um, you know, perhaps leaving Queen's Park or, or going back to he was originally sort of leading the young Queen's Park team, the, the reserves team. But it looks like he'll actually still be involved with the first team as a coach there. 
and you're going to have Charlie King and Tam O'Ware, uh, both they're kind of going back to their sort of, I think Charlie King was he under 18s and then Tam O'Ware came in as young Queen's Park I believe, so they're moving back into leading the, the, the younger teams there, so we kind of now know the the sort of the pecking order at the club and we know who's in and, and who's doing what there, so that's one step in the right direction in terms of that, and yeah, I suppose we'll just round round this off and move on by just wishing Cal Davis and Liam Craig the the very best when they come in. Of course, it is a a, a big test to start with a, a trip to Starks Park, but uh, let's see what he's able to do in the in the first few days. I don't know. I would love to say there'll be a sign in before then. I don't think I'm going to be that optimistic quite just yet, but uh, let's see what he's capable of doing against the Wraith Rovers team that we have shown for parts of games against them we we can compete. Maybe he can get us to compete that full ninety. Uh, one one thing just to add, one thing just to, <laughs> one thing just to add before we move on. I think um, I'm I'm pleased and I, I do hope that Noyton stays around. I've grown quite a lot of respect for him and how he's conducted himself and what he's done with the team over the last period of time. He's clearly a bright guy, put in a position that he should never have been in. I don't think he. I mean, when you think he came to us as a, a, was it a an under 18s team that he was the the manager of when he joined as one of the the academy manager for Queen's, so um, he was put into a position which I can't imagine he would have ever thought he would have been in, frankly, and I think he'd done all right, so hopefully he, he does stick around, because I think he's still got a lot of value that he can add to the club. Totally agree with you, by the way. That was the one thing that I was hoping to see in the update from the club, and they didn't mention it. We got that from the Daily Record article confirming as, that, as always. that Davidson had got the job. But yeah, really, really pleased that Noyton's going to be uh, still going to be around the club. And, and I'm sure he's still got a, a really important role to play, given that he knows the players better than what Davidson does. And obviously that'll come with time. But I'm I'm, I'm happy for I'm happy, happy for Paul. Um, and, and I hope that he sticks around for a long time. Yep, very well said the two of you there. Agree 100%. Um, Let's have a look at a couple of transfer rumours that have popped up. Uh, one going out that I think we can just ridicule the now, um, and then another one going out that seems quite quite exciting for both player and uh, potentially club. So there was a, a, an article popped up that Dom Thomas apparently was getting interest from Wraith Rovers, Partick Thistle and Dundee United, which I think... I think um, Scared us all a little bit when that first popped up, but the more that you think about it, the more we've looked into it. A couple of Spiders Talk sources are uh, telling us that certain clubs linked with that is utter nonsense, so I think we can happily say that that is not true, but as I say, that one certainly put the fear up as given what uh, what happened last January, and for as much as I really hope this is a rumour and that we're not coming back in a week or two weeks' time and having to talk about it actually happening, if that was to happen, that would, to me, that would be... Queen's Park raising the white flag on this season despite everything that positive that we've just spent the last hour and whatever now talking about uh, if that happens that would be a real uh, I don't even have the right word, I would just be really upset with that what do you guys make of that one? I don't yeah. buy it I think if there were any truth to it we would have heard a wee bit more now, first of all, so the, the, the first one, because he was obviously linked with Dundee United, and that seems to have been dropped out of the more recent iterations of the, the articles that these rubbish newspapers are putting out. Um, Partick Thistle, I was going to say I don't think they could afford to pay for him, but it sounds as though they're maybe not quite as skint as they'd like us to believe. Wraith Rovers, I, I'm not sure whether he... I mean, I, I, Dom Thomas is a fantastic player, but they have plenty of wingers, they have plenty of guys that do similar things to him, so why would they necessarily want to pay money for somebody to come in and do the same thing? As, as great as Dom Thomas is, 
I, I don't know. I feel as though it was maybe just a bit of a slow news day. Uh, we play against them this weekend. So you, you know what it's like when, when journalists don't have much to talk about. They'll, they'll make something up. Um, and more importantly, I just don't think there's any chance we'd be daft enough to make the same mistake we did last season by selling our best player and captain in January. Because uh, we're in a much more... Because last season, you could make the argument that ultimately promotion wasn't the goal. And as as frustrating as it was for fans... Maybe the club weren't as concerned about going up as what we were, but this season you're talking about losing a guy that may result in his, you know, if it happened, that could potentially result in his losing a massive amount of quality that that could send us down. I just I can't see it happening, and, and and I always get the impression that Dom Thomas really likes playing for Queens Park, and I think with a new coach coming in as well, I think he's going to want to stick around to see to see how the next few months go. I'm not saying that it's impossible potentially in the summer if a really good offer comes in for him, um, but that obviously gives us the opportunity to then source a replacement. I, I, I desperately want to believe it's nonsense. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't. It's, it's not. It doesn't seem like the correct signing for these teams, right? So if you exclude Thistle from it, who I just genuinely don't believe that they will be paying money for someone. Obviously, they've whacked out the wages for for their new signing, but I, I don't think they'll be paying cash to get somebody in, and they're options in the wing are good like Wallace and Fitzpatrick are, are two decent players so I, I'm less inclined to believe that one and it's different to the Murray situation I mean obviously in hindsight that was horrific and at the time it still was bad um, but you could kind of justify it a wee bit more in that Murray would go for a free in the summer so we wouldn't make any money off of him but Thomas has got 18 months left in his contract doesn't he so it doesn't make sense to do it now when you could go into the summer and just make make the money then when it's you've actually got time to properly build a new squad. And if you wanted to go in the summer, then fair dues. Like everyone, I get it. I get that. With depending on what opportunities become available to them, um, but I, I'm hoping it's it's a load of rubbish. And even when I think about like Wraith and Dundee United, um potentially wanting to sign him you obviously commented on the amount of forwards that Dundee uh, that Wraith have sorry and even from Dundee United's perspective both these teams are clearly wanting to go to the SPL next year or the, to, the, to the Premier League next year how d- does Tom Thomas fit into that is he someone that you want to spend budget on right now with a view to operating in the Premiership last, this year I think he's a genuinely I really like one of my favourite players at Queen's in forever right uh, I, Love the guy very much in terms of his football ability, but I'm I'm less convinced that he would be a massively impactful player in the Premiership. So yeah, I think it's I think it's rubbish. Yeah, we think so too. But as I say, it's definitely one too to keep an eye out on. I suppose you never know what is going to happen in the transfer window and how desperate another team may get and how much they're willing to pay. Don Thomas is obviously under contract, so I suppose if the price is right, it could well be something that we're we're having to face. But we hope we do not. Um, the other one that's came out this week that, that, as I say, seems very exciting is potential Callum McKenna has been linked with, well, I mean, he's been linked with a number of clubs. He certainly was back in the, the summer. And then, of course, when he had that fantastic start to the season, obviously lost his, lost the number one jersey because he is uh, injured. And Callum Ferries came in since and, and had a, a really good a really good period, a really good last three months or so. But it came out, couple of days ago that apparently Manchester United are looking to make uh, an offer, potentially six-figure, but I think even the Daily Record may have even mentioned seven-figure bid, or I don't know if that's like a total package for Callum McKenna, I'm sure that would almost certainly include 
performance or, or future fees or whatever else is going on there. But for you know a youngster at Queen's Park to be linked with the chance to go straight to Manchester United, yeah, okay, as a you know as a, a team right now in, in recent years they have been a little bit all over the shop, but they are still without doubt one one of the biggest teams in the UK, one of the biggest teams in the world by far. Uh, that must be incredibly exciting for him to be linked there. I suppose we're not really necessarily saying should he be choosing to stay at Queen's Park over Manchester United. If he wants to make that decision, of course he can. Do you think? Do you think he would? What What, what do you guys think would? I, I, again, how how do you approach that? Is it a case of all the very best he can and see you later on, and, and all the very best and taking that chance, or do either of you want to make the argument for stay here and play your football? No, uh, no. No, no. <laughs> easy, honest, easy. I, I honestly see anyone trying to pretend that when you are uh, <laughs> just turned 16, seventeen in last month. Yeah, turned seventeen years old, and you're playing for Queens Park in the Championship, and you played seven or whatever it is professional games of football. And Manchester United are calling that it would be better for you to stay and try and play here for a while is utter insanity. Like, it is absurd. The guy should, if that opportunity is genuinely there for him, the club should rinse it for whatever it's worth. By the sounds of it, they've got, he's got lots and lots of suitors competing for him. Rinse it for whatever it's worth. And he goes and takes the opportunity and, and wish him all the best. Because, I mean, how often do you get that chance? I know there's obviously the risk of getting swallowed up into the old academy structure in England. And, I mean, we've seen some... Uh, <laughs> the fruits of that on a few occasions not um, not exactly being particularly useful but I mean if there's anything that we've seen from, from Callum McKenna so far uh, it's it's his mental stability I think and I think that he, he stands every chance I, honestly I, I, not to sound too dramatic here but he is the most unique goalkeeper I've seen play for or against us in a long, long, long time. I've never seen a goalkeeper with the footballing ability that he has, which is exactly what all these teams in the Premiership are wanting and needing these days. And he is so bloody confident with it. And to, to, to top it off from everything that we've seen, he can save shots as well. He can do the old traditional goalie bit of what, of what their, uh, their primary concern's meant to be. So I think he's got every chance. He's not just a good shop stopper, which just isn't enough these days. And I can totally understand why others of teams are falling over him. I totally agree with you, Cameron. I think I think there's more to it than that. I think even even from our perspective, if it is all add-ons and stuff like that, but if if it's possible that there's a deal on the table that could result in the club making in the long term seven figures for a 17-year-old goalie that's played seven games for the club. That's what we want to do. Is that is that not the whole point and and the model that we're trying to build right now? Is that not literally what is going to make us sustainable as a club? Not necessarily deals as good as that all the time, obviously. But you know, you never know what could happen. He's already had he already had one injury. What what if he gets injured again in six months' time and then and and that's him? And, and I hope that doesn't happen because I'm very very excited to see how his career develops. But. If you are the, the, the person at the club in charge of making the decision on that, I think you just need to bite their hand off for it. And, and I would be, obviously, I'd be sorry to see him go. But ultimately, what you need to consider is that we as a club are in the very fortunate position. If we didn't have Cal Ferry, I'd be a little bit nervous about it. But we're in the very fortunate position that we have two, possibly two of the best goalkeepers in the whole division in our team. And one of them sitting on the bench, not playing football at 17 years old and being linked to some of the biggest clubs on the planet. It just, it makes sense to me for everybody involved. Um 
and when slash if it happens, I, I wish him all the best. And I, I'm I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye on on how his career goes because he seems like a really sound guy, um, and I, I think he's supremely talented. And there is obviously the risk that we might not hear about him for another six years when he's all of a sudden out on loan at Shrewsbury Town or something like that. But I, I think he has the ability to to really really genuinely go all the way, and and I hope it happens. Yeah, you're right. If if that offer is actually there, if, it, if it's in the works right now, the the club would be absolutely mad not to accept whoever. Again, whoever's in charge of accepting those offers or rejecting them right now, whoever that is, would be daft not to accept that offer. And Callum goes and gives it his best shot. Mm-hmm. And again, as I say, Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs out there. Um, but we all know that they've been. A nightmare on the park at times, and especially at goalkeeper, they've been pretty unreliable. Even with David De Gea, one of the best goalkeepers in, in recent times, he still was very dodgy as well. Who knows what the future could hold for Callum McKenna if that that trend continued for Manchester United? But maybe that's getting way too far ahead of ourselves right now. I just think if that if that rumor is there, you know, and if if it is. If it is true, if it is there, he has to take that offer. He has to take that chance. And yeah, certainly if, if he went, he goes with our very best best wishes. And I'm, I'd be amazed if anybody could could hold that against the young man because he's he's got to go and take that chance. And you're absolutely right as well. You know, this is exactly what we turned professional for. This is exactly what we did this for. We we did it literally for another young player who had the chance to go to an English Premier League club. Yes, okay, it didn't work out for them. But ever since then, we turned professional or we turned full time. To offer full time contracts, and this is exactly why to ensure that we get at the very least the compensation that we're deserving for training and, and developing these young players. But if somebody's willing to come in and say, Well, actually, we're going to pay you more on top of that, they're going to add in the future bonuses and benefits and everything there, absolutely, you've got to take it. So, not, not confirmed yet, we don't know yet, but if indeed that is true, Calvin again, that'd be an incredible opportunity. And yeah, as I say, you would go with our very best wishes it's last... also easier to say that when Callum Ferry is doing as well as he is over <laughs> since he came oh, back yeah. into the squad we, yeah we're in a very um unusual situation I would say for the championship to have two incredibly decent goalies and if uh, if McKenna does go out I, I mean I, I genuinely just don't have any issues with, with Ferry staying because his, his contract's up in the summer as well isn't it so um, yeah, it, it does it takes a sting off of, of a, a little. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's another very good point there as well. Our last news uh, item is just on Queen's Park Women. Unfortunately, they didn't lead the news section with uh, a, a number of big announcements for the men's side. And as well, unfortunately, the, the big game, the, the big return to the south side of Glasgow and to get the chance to play at... Lesser Hamden unfortunately didn't happen on Sunday. Uh, a, a bit of a cold snap, which we're we're all still feeling right now. Hit and yeah, unfortunately, the city stadium was uh, deemed unplayable due to the uh, due to the frost. So the game was postponed on Sunday. No Scottish Cup game there against Bonnie Rig Rose. It has been rearranged for Wednesday, the seventeenth of January. Um, I don't actually recall seeing if there was a kickoff time post. I'm going to assume it's going to be a seven forty-five, uh, given it's a, a weeknight. Um, and yeah, we'll obviously still be keeping a very close eye on what happens there before that cup game with the rearranged date. They do have uh, the league game against Burnmuir Thistle, who are currently second place, or I believe they're joint second, aren't they? That is on this uh, coming Sunday, Sunday the fourteenth, 
back at New Tinto Park. Um, to uh, three o'clock kickoff there, Sunday the fourteenth of February is available to go through to the game there. And oh, there was a Scottish Cup draw as well, wasn't it? It's Partick Thistle if they make it through the Bonnie Rigg Rose game. Make it through, yeah. <laughs> uh, another another Glasgow derby and Brian Graham, obviously the manager of the Queens Park Women's team. So can you uh, just they go are, away. Yeah, totally. I think. <laughs> I cannot avoid them. Or the it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me actually if Thistle ended up playing that because their women's team normally play up at uh, Peter's Hill, don't they? But it wouldn't surprise me because they've they've played a couple of games at Fur Hill over the past uh, this season, I think. Anyway, yep. big big games, so it wouldn't totally shock me if that get moved to to Fur Hill as well. Yeah, every possibility of that, of course. We'll keep a close eye. They've got to get through Bonnie Rig Roads first, but if they do, it does potentially set up a, a, a tasty-looking game there with Partick Thistle. They are, I believe it's currently sixth in SWPL1, so definitely giving a good account of themselves there. And if Queen's Park could obviously continue on this promotion charge, it'd probably be a very good test to see where they may currently sit compared to one of the better teams in the division above for next season. But that rounds off our news segment. and say there was an awful lot to catch up on there. Let's get a quick preview of this coming Saturday. We are away to Wraith Rovers in the Scottish Championship. We always recap the league table. I don't really want to recap the recent results against Wraith Rovers. We all know who that's been, but the, Wraith, the league table's not much better reading. But just to recap, you've got Wraith in first place, 44 points. Only lost two games all season in the league. Queen's Park sitting in the joint ninth on 17 points. But we can definitely take some some hope from, as I say, that about 90% of the performances against Raith Rovers so far this season. And are we looking for that new manager bounce? You think Cal Davison has enough time for the next three days or so to put his uh, plans in motion and to, to get the players up for what is going to be a massive game that a lot won't expect us to take anything from, but there's every chance. Listen, right, Wraith have a few players out for this as well. So Keith Watson is injured. Uh, Ewan Murray was taken off against Airdrie, so he might potentially be out. Ross Millen gets sent off, so he'll be suspended. Kevin Dabrowski didn't play against Airdrie because he had a bit of an injury. Now, he might be back in time. However, you're potentially looking... Because that's that is those are all important players for Wraith. You're, you're potentially looking at a, a weakened defence anyway. Um and you know, given that we've played all right against Wraith this season, we've it's been the defeats have been self-inflicted. Put it that way. Uh, new manager bounce. We won on Friday night. I don't know. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. I'm buzzing. Can't wait. It's uh, it's just nice to go into it. it. Having having a win at the weekend obviously changes the dynamic entirely. Even if we we didn't have Callum Davidson come in, I would still be going into this a lot more positive. But with a, with a new manager. I'm just interested in the game again. Like I, I want to see how we set up. I want to see what players he picks. He's obviously going to have watched a few games. He'll spent time training with the guy and getting the guys training this week. It's uh, it's it's interesting, and we've ran it close with Wraith. And I mean, Wraith ran it run it close with practically everyone that they play. So um, there, there's going to be a big test for them on whether their position is is truly at the top of the table or if it has been artificial and they've. They've kind of punched above their weight for for a period of time, and hopefully, we get some get some points as we we definitely should have had it uh, at some point this season already. Yeah, and also obviously as we we touched on earlier on, um, Dan O'Reilly as well hasn't re-signed for Wraith. He's, he's yeah, exactly. So another so that's one another defender that's away. That is a significantly weakened defence, especially so. 
I don't know. I just I'm, I I think there's every chance that we could go there and, and get a very good result. I see, I I actually was not planning on attending the game this week, but I was going to go to Dunfermline next week. But your your little pep talk there between the two years has made me reconsider my options. Come on, I, I should try and get myself along this Saturday. Oh, I think uh, you should. First, first, first game of a new manager, David. Seeing his top all race, that would be that would be good. It would be very, very exciting indeed. It, I mean, it is very exciting, and that would be absolutely delightful if it happened. I would almost certainly be kicking myself if I don't go when it happens. So maybe, maybe I should do. I should take one for the team, and if I don't go, that's exactly what will happen. Uh, to Queens Park lineup, we have say the last couple of weeks. It has been this three five two. We expect to see this again. Do you think you like? Are you guys be happy with? Well, same lineup against Dunfermline, so that would include uh, Mocking on the right, uh, right wing back, Bruce left wing back, Tommy Robson at left centre back. We didn't really talk too much about the game itself. How how did you feel he filled in there? And would you still have Alex Fairley in the in the midfield as well, or what? What would you guys potentially be looking to rotate if anything? So. I, it's a funny one. I don't think Davidson's going to come in and make wholesale changes immediately. I don't think that would make sense for him to do. Obviously, it's dependent on whether we do bring any signings in between now and, uh, and now and Saturday. I don't know how realistic that is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be against McIntyre starting because I thought he, I think he's looked better the past couple of times he's come off the bench. So I, I wouldn't hate to see that. Um, I, I, I'm not sure though. I'm, I'm not sure what else I would do. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have too many wants for this game. To be honest, it's it's hard to say because I I have no idea how he's going to set up. Um, I, I'm just hoping that the guys come out full of energy and put a good showing for themselves because uh, we we could use it. I mean, I I do still want to see. I do want to kind of see McKinstry a bit more. I, I, I'm still hopeful that he's going to turn out to be a really useful signing for us, but we've we've not really seen it so far. There's flashes of him on the ball when he gets it that, that look really good, and you can see the qualities there, but he's not really had that opportunity to make an impact yet. So I would kind of like to see him in the squad because, I mean, surely, I'm just, surely he's got to be a good player. Um, so I, I'd like to see us make use of him whilst he's with us. But aside from that, I'm 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 open to just seeing what what Davidson has to do this week and uh, take it from there. In that case, then let's move on to making our match predictions. Um, we, as we sat together just before we hit record, Callum burst out with glee as he opened <laughs> up his spreadsheet, and he's got a he's got a very good uh, update for himself. And I believe it must be one of the first times, or it may well be the very first time, that one of us has got the first Queen's Park goal scorer and the correct score. Right. So uh, when I <laughs> when I when I burst out with Lee, right, that that was because I forgot the Thistle game existed. Oh. Now, um, so we'll we'll start with the 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 reason for my happiness was I'd predicted two one Queens against Dunfermline, and I had. Peyton as the the first goal scorer. Unfortunately, I didn't have the the double of of Peyton and Thomas, which would have been a true a true first for the podcast. One of us getting the correct score, the correct first goal scorer, and the correct goal scorers. Um, but that gets me a whopping five points. So one point for the the correct team winning, and then two points for each of the first goal scorer and the the correct score. So that gets me five points. Um, both yourselves didn't have obviously uh, Peyton and the correct score, so that's one point for the both of you. Now I thought excellent. This is fantastic news. That 
takes me right up the table, puts me on 16 points alongside Enzo and leaves David languishing. But mm. as soon as you started this podcast, David, and you started talking about Partick Thistle, my heart sank because I had forgot to look at that and uh, frankly forgot that, it was exi- forgot that game existed because I wasn't there. And uh, Enzo, you um, you appear to have got the first goal scorer in that game, which for us, which was which was Peyton. So that gets you two points. So uh, and David, you and I have zero points because obviously neither of us had Peyton. So that leaves us standing. What was that? Because you're both rubbish. Well, well, I'm less rubbish now. David's definitely the most rubbish. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely the rubbish one. Yeah. So points-wise, we have Enzo, who is up front with 18 points. I am now relatively close on 16 points. And David, you are scunnered currently on 12. So you get the honours. Wow, okay. Um, Deary, deary me. Uh, Well, I mean, it's going to have to be Peyton first goal scorer now, isn't it? But uh, (laughs) as for the actual score, I'm going to go in with the optimism Cam Davidson going to get a win in his first game away to Raith Rovers? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's going to be 2-1 Queen's Park. 2-1 Queen's. And did you say you're having Peyton? Peyton first goal scorer. And uh, I'd like to say Thomas, but I don't know if we would play centre half. Give me give me uh, Peyton and Thomas. Go on, give me the same score as against Unfairly, the same goal scorers. All right, sound. Um, Enzo, you said to me when I thought I'd drawn level on points with you that you wanted to have the honours, but fortunately for you, you're still a few few points ahead, so it's me. I'm going to go for 3-1 Queens. Um, Why not? I will have Thomas as a first goal scorer, and then I'll have Peyton. Peyton double. I'm I'm taking your Peyton double, Enzo. I'm going all out here. All out. All out. I think I think we're going to absolutely do them, and I'm going four one Queen's Park. Four one, four one. I rate that. I rate that. It's not your biggest prediction of the season. No, it's also probably not my most ridiculous, to be honest. No, your 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 biggest ones in the league were five one against our growth, and who else do you have? Oh no, I was against Bala five one. You also had the, the biggest one though that you've had was us beating <laughs> us beating Falkirk six 0 Oh, that was uh, good. That went well. That wasn't a total depression in the end. Nope. Um, okay, goal scorers. You can't have Thomas. Turner will score the first two. Peyton one. Thomas. Cool. All right, Grant. Magic. There we go. Um... I'll take a quick look at what other games are going on. Uh, you've got more Friday night football. We've got Inverness against Dundee United, which um, Dundee United stealing David Wellspoon off Inverness. I, I see he's injured actually just now, so I don't think he'll be playing. But uh, yeah, uh, Inverness starting to really, really struggle under Duncan Ferguson, where he started off really well under his uh, under his reign. But uh, you've both predicted that. We did, uh, it's t- it took a wee bit too long for it to happen, but it has finally started happening. Yeah, okay, Inverness did beat Air last week, but Air are, Air are struggling even worse than Inverness right now. Um, so yeah, that's Friday Night Football. Sadly, you've got our both against Air, Dunfermline Airdrie, and Morton Partick Thistle. So 
another pretty um, pretty exciting weekend of championship football as it always seems to be. Um, I think really we're looking, aren't we? Dundee, are we just accepting? Obviously not this week because we are playing Wraith, but otherwise you're looking for that front three just to to pull away. So we want Partick Thistle beating Morton, Dundee beating uh, Dundee United beating Inverness, and then the other two games we really don't care about. Absolutely, I right, pretty much. Sounds fantastic. Fingers crossed that's what happened. It has been uh, a bit of a long episode this week. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think everybody noticed that our episodes were getting shorter and shorter as the misery continued, but it's been good to be back with uh, some positivity, some good news. Obviously, the new manager and a win, which we're all delighted for. It would be fantastic if we make it two from two. Here's hoping, but until next week, Calvin Enzo, it has been a pleasure as always. Continue to find us on Twitter, at Spiders Talk, and still find us on Pine Bovril and all the threads relating to Queen's Park as well. Thank you for coming back once again and listening to us this week, and we will see you all again next week. Cheers. For listening. Play for the sake of the game.